podcaster, I hardly know her. (laughs) Welcome to the I Hardly Know Her podcast, hosted by me, Megan McCaleb. If there's one thing I've learned in this life, it's that I still have a lot to learn. This podcast is your invitation to expand your understanding on all sorts of topics and shake things up a little bit. Listen in and learn something new from the stories, professional insights, and a wide range of expertise shared by me and my incredible guests. And remember, my friends, you don't have to be a big deal to do big things. In a very special episode, I'm introducing to you Jeanette Cerami. She is part of Improv Team Culture, my company that I started quite a while ago, and is helping to expand the brand across the nation and beyond because we are about to hightail it out of the country to visit the famed Fringe Festival in Edinburgh, Scotland. Now, Jeanette is incredibly awesome, and we met about 12 years ago when we were both working for another company and immediately hit it off and found out that we were both improv fanatics. She teaches in the group setting in the workplace as well and has a huge scope of expertise in human resources, which brings an incredible layer of value to what we do with improv team culture. So this is an introduction to all things Jeanette and you'll be hearing from her more in the future and just wanted to bring in her vision on how improv can really create more community. And don't we all need a little bit more of that? All right, let's get into it. Welcome to the I Hardly Know Her podcast. Today, I'm really excited to introduce you all to a very good friend of mine and my partner with Improv Team Culture, Jeanette Cerami. She is such a fun human being and an incredible wizard with improv skills. And we met a long time ago, and I'm really excited to talk about how we got to this journey and how sometimes amazing things just take a little while to come to fruition. Um, she is just a ray of sunshine, incredibly intelligent. And I just, uh, I, I just, what I'm even, why am I even waiting? Why am I holding the suspense for you guys to be able to meet the one and only Jeanette? So Jeanette, welcome to the, I hardly know her podcast. Thank you so much, Megan. Thank you for that amazing introduction. You are so good at lifting people up. It feels really good to be in a space with you. Oh, thanks. Well, I feel the same way about you. I remember when we first met was almost almost 12 years ago mm-hmm. in Austin, Texas, when we were there for uh, a company we both worked for doing pub quizzes, and which is like totally like an unusual scene for me to be in. I'm just like, I just show up to places. I'm like, I can go do all these random things. Well, uh, but if, uh, oh, the opportunity we had was really funny because there was this chunk of time at the end where they needed to fill time and you, I, and another one of our coworkers was like, I'm good at that. I can fill time. It'll be fun. And we didn't really know what we were doing. And it was a really fun introduction to our relationship, I think. Yeah. I think it was great. And so here we are like 12 years later. And when we stayed connected and I think a lot that we originally like sort of talked about and just realized how much we had some common interests was dominantly in the improv space and all the adventures we've had over the years. I came and crashed at your house once in Chicago. We went and checked stuff out. 
you guys, Jeanette has an incredible background of working for a lot of different improv houses. Like in Chicago, if you don't know, that's the Mecca. Like it's one of the Gracelands of improv where so many performers and Saturday Night Live greats come out of. And you did stuff with Second City, with The Annoyance. Uh, you did children's theater. Like what? I know I'm probably missing some things, but yeah, tell um us a little bit about your journey with like your improv space. Sure. I would love to. So um, I started doing improv kind of out of college. I graduated during, um, I graduated in 2006 from school in Denver and it was right before the recession. And that really set, I mean, that's like a very pointed moment in time, right? It's like, Oh, okay. I'm entering the career world, my career world during a recession. And I had a theater degree which a lot of people, you know, joke about it's, I think it's like the second worst degree to get these days um, considered as far as career paths go. And so I couldn't find full-time employment, um, but I loved theater and I had to do it even if it wasn't making me money. And I saw a Craigslist ad for a woman that was a former second city director and she was putting together a second city style improv group. And so I didn't know at the time and people that aren't familiar may not know, but second city is improv into sketch, which is scripted what you see on SNL, right? Short scripted vignettes. And so I see improv, I see second city and I'm like, Oh, I want to do this. And so that's exactly what we did is we, we would improvise to decide, you know, what's funny, what do we want to do more of um, experimenting, and then you write out a sketch. Well, we come to the week of the show, we're in dress rehearsal, and we're doing all these sketches that we've been working on for months, and I raise my hand and I ask, are we going to do actual improv in this show? And the director was like, no, that's not really how this model of creating art works. Um, but, you know, it was called an improv show that I auditioned for. So I was like, what is the deal? So in the meantime of working with that uh, group of people, there were other people on the group that were doing improv performance, like Whose Line Is It Anyway? or The Long Form, um, which is where you get one suggestion and you just run with it anywhere from 15 minutes to two hours. And so I had a couple people on my sketch team now knowing it's a sketch team that were doing improv. And so I would go see their shows and I was just blown away. I was blown away by five people getting on stage, getting one word from the audience and creating art. And it's, I love theater in general because it's fleeting. There's something really beautiful about like, you have to enjoy this moment because this is the only moment you really get guaranteed is like right now. And mm. so it's like a really great lesson in life too, of course, that I didn't come to realize until later in life. But, um, <laughs> but after that, um, you know, is the recession, I can't find a full-time job. And so I just said, I'm going to give myself a master's degree in comedy because I can work in Denver and not get health insurance and not have any career trajectory, or I could do the same thing in Chicago, but I could learn a lot about comedy, learn mm -hmm. from some greats. And so I packed up all my belongings. I rented a car. I, I didn't have a car. Like I had my grandfather's 
um, hoopty <laughs> uh, <laughs> car that I inherited that I was not driving cross country with. So I sold that for 500 bucks. Um, I packed up all my stuff and my dog and I went to Chicago and I gave myself a grad degree in improv. I took classes at IO, Annoyance, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. Second City. Um, I became a teammate on a couple IO Herald teams. So the Herald is the more commonly universally taught and known long form. And then, yeah, I started doing children's musical improv with a friend of a friend. Um, something else that I think is really cool on my journey that I've taken away from it. Of course, a lot of the tools and principles of improv, which you and I could talk about for, you know, years and we will, um, <laughs> I, is when I went to Chicago, there were a lot of people in Denver who um, had moved back from Chicago. Like they went out there, they kind of did their version of comedy school and they came back and I told them, I think I'm going to move out to Chicago. I just want to see what it's all about. I've never been there. And the amount of people that like rallied behind me, people I knew from improv theater, but really weren't like close friends of mine. You know, one of the guys, he drove out with me so I wouldn't have to drive alone. And when we got to Chicago, he introduced me to all of his friends from Denver that moved to Chicago and from Chicago that were still there. And that's how I got my assistant directing job with the children's musical. I, um, a friend of a friend got me a sublet on an apartment. Um, another mutual friend, or not a mutual friend, a friend of his, um, got me my first job. And so it was just this really beautiful community of everyone being like, oh, I, I see you. Like, I, I see where you're at and I see the benefit that I had of other people kind of lifting me up and supporting me in my comedy journey. So I'm going to pay it forward. And I tell everybody who is teetering on, should I move to Chicago to investigate improv? I'm like, yes, 100%. Even if you don't spend the rest of your life there because yeah, they're, they get it, you know, they like get it and they want to, pay, they want to pay it forward. And it's, it's a lesson that I got in the improv community, but maybe not necessarily from improv, but maybe it's just part of that kind of way of thinking, way of life, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think it, when you say community, that's exactly what I was thinking about. Like that whole experience you were just explaining is there, it kind of helps me and like the improv mindset sort of helps draw the right energies of people who are, community like we need community to thrive and to sometimes need that little bit of support and that nudge to mm -hmm. push a push into something that maybe feels a little bit like ah oh, should I do this and like having that support and one of the rules of course that we love to talk about in improv is making each other look good and you, you commonly hear about all the different rules and there's arguably 10 or more if you google it I, I find that's a very common scope of some of those basics but that's like one of my favorites and that kind of really articulates it in real life of how do we support each other? Talk to me a little bit about like your perspective on that really yummy rule of making each other look good and how, how, how it like is actually applied in life and on stage. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I kind of consider myself a sociological hobbyist, <laughs> and I'm sure that that's like helped me in my improv journey too. 
Um, I, I find sociology just so fascinating. I'm always excited to learn like why as animals do we do what we do? How did we come to be, you know, arguably the most intelligent animal on the planet? Some might have things to say about that. Um, but yeah, like how did we get here? What has happened in our history as, as a species to get us to this place? And um, a big thing that I always go back to when I'm thinking about my mental health, when I'm thinking about my physical health is at the beginning of things, we were just animals, right? We are animals. And so we have these primal instincts. And as our brains got bigger and we had the luxury of not needing to fend for our food, make sure that our young don't get attacked by a bigger animal, um, you know, we develop these skills that allow us to have complex language and build society and all of that, but we still have this primal need to survive. And so that part of our brain, for better or worse, kind of makes us think about the scary, the bad mm. more, right? It, it ingrains in our brains easier. So yeah. if you have a bad experience, if you you know, if you have a near death experience, if you, if somebody wrongs you in a certain way, that stuff is like making a mark on your brain a lot deeper and a lot more quickly than all of the good stuff. Mm, so, like a protection mechanism though, right? I mean, it's sort of like, oh, I need to protect myself. Yeah. It's a survival mechanism. And it's funny because as smart as we are, like we still, our brains still can't distinguish like, oh, that person forgot your birthday it's not going to kill you. It's probably going to be okay. And you should maybe show a little bit of grace that that's not a thing that they're good at is remembering birthdays, but instead our bodies kind of, um, what's the right word? Our bodies like almost like codify that, right. Mm. When we get that in our brain. And so all this to say is, um, in learning that I, I want to constantly give myself more opportunities to remember the good things to think about and remind myself, Oh, you know, you're scared of this bad thing happening, but it's never happened to you. So you don't really have a reason for that to be scary. And so in improv, if you are always like expecting people to do wrong or, mm. you know, make a bad choice, set you up for failure on stage, you're not going to have any fun. And like, why are we doing this if not to have fun? I mean, all of life really, but specifically the art form, if we're not creating art to have fun, like what's the point? And so when you're creating a collaborative piece of art, like don't you want everybody that you're collaborating with to show up with the best version of themselves? And a way to do that is to remind them that they have the potential to be a pretty rad person on stage right they're yeah. really everybody has this intelligence to show up otherwise they wouldn't be there super scary to get on stage and like <laughs> you're, you're gonna say and not necessarily know what's gonna happen and so the fact that those people are all there together to do that thing it you should I think you should go into it thinking like man this person is showing up for me like there's a lot of trust built into how they're showing up so I should like codify my own brain to be like, yeah. they're going to do great. And the easiest way to do that is to say it out loud. And then when you hear that as the person that's on stage with me, 
hopefully you're like, oh yeah, this is gonna be pretty rad. Like I, I am, I am worthy of being here. I am really smart. I am really talented, and yeah. So totally. Well, you said earlier too that um, you mentioned briefly that it took you a little while to like recognize some of the overlaps in everyday life. But what do you remember there being like a turning point where you're like, everyone needs this, not just on stage, but how people can really benefit in the workplace? Because you've been doing a lot of this even prior to us collaborating in the improv team culture space. Can you remember either certain experiences or like a season of where you're like, ah, how do we how you know how powerful it is in our interactions with with each other, not on stage? on a regular basis. Sure. Yeah. So going kind of back to that idea of all that really matters is this moment. Ooh, yeah. The past informs this moment. Absolutely. And we need to honor the past, whether that means just acknowledging that it happened or, you know, again, as a survival mode, potentially we are remembering if somebody is giving us this pattern not being disappointed when they continue this pattern because we have no reason to think they're not going to continue that pattern. Yeah. So I will say that um, my I have a family member who super talented, brilliant um, artist, and he is he's paralyzed by wanting to be perfect as most mm -hmm. artists are. I find I think that really like high level brilliant people. Um, get paralyzed in the need to be perfect, right? And so um, what's the saying? Um, don't let perfection be the en enemy of progress or mm. something to oh, that. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he will, I'll ask him about progress on a project that he's working on and he just beats himself up about the fact that he didn't do it. I was going to do this. I didn't get up early enough. I was going to do this because I know that when I exercise, it makes me like, more ready for the day. It inspires my creativity, but I didn't do it. I was just really tired. And I remember saying to him, like, that's, it doesn't matter. Like, that's like, don't beat yourself up about that. That already happened. Like now you have the knowledge of like what that feels like to not move forward in a progressive way. So like right now, like set an intention, what do you want to do differently? And like, can you do something right now in this moment that's going to make it better? And he was like, you know, you're right. Like, I'm going to, you know, set a kind of a reminder for myself to do this thing. And um, when I get home, I'm going to do this. And so to me, that was um, something that I can pull directly from improv is that, yeah, honor it, acknowledge it. Oh, I have this tendency. Maybe I'm not great at this. Maybe when I'm tired, I have this like I said, tendency to not do X, Y, Z, but I like right now, if I make the choice to move forward and do something different, like that's really all that matters. And I can move forward with a better choice. Yeah. I love it. It's so true. And when you've worked with like, cause you've done workshops and different things with companies and such, mm -hmm. What are some of those moments then when you see, like when you, you're meeting a perfect stranger and you're introducing them to some of these tools that they may never have heard of, you know, like what's it like to see someone in just the session of a workshop have a, a moment of their own where they're coming into this frame of reference like you've been explaining? 
Um, so the funniest thing to me is the yes and, right? The first rule of improv and arguably the most important <laughs> is yes and, and teaching people yes and as soon as they start explaining what their experience was in the exercise, watching them explain it and say yes and, and they kind of giggle and get giddy because you can already see that they're rewiring their brain and it's, it's, it's recodifying how they look at things, right? They're not, they're not putting a halt on it. They're not saying yes, but, and they're not saying no, but they're saying yes. And, and you see this like giddiness in them where they're like, oh, it's immediately like changing how I speak and think about things. And so that's mm. a really fun one. And going fast forwarding 45 minutes into a workshop, talking about something completely different, doing like a sillier exercise where they all have to collaborate and make a commercial for an object. You know, we do this like ad. Um, mm. Oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Game. And having them talk about that experience and everybody on the team already saying like, yes to whatever was said before them. But if they had a different experience, not saying, well, it wasn't that for me, but they're saying, oh yeah, they had that experience. And I had this experience. And again, it's just like this twinkle in their face and their eyes when they're like, I'm doing it. It's working. Oh my gosh. It, 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 it never gets old. Yeah. And then I also love when, um, when I get to hang out a little bit after a workshop and they have just experienced it and then they sort of catch themselves in, in like, yeah, budding or different things. And you almost hear them, they're kind of joking about it, but they're like, yes. And, you know, and then it's like, you can't unlearn it. That's one of the things that I both warn and excite people about because sometimes it can be frustrating. I think once you know it and then like you realize how many yeah butters are like in the world around us and stuff, but it, it's just like an endless well of awesomeness to see how it really like lifts people up. Like almost people walk out of those workshops taller mm -hmm. and they're like carrying themselves with like this new zest for life. And it's clear that you love what you do. I mean, I definitely think that that's, um, among the, the many things that we jive on and why I'm so excited to have you as part of the growth of improv team culture is that there's a lot of people in this world who haven't even a clue of this magic yet. Wow. And really the power of what it does. I actually was going to share this quick little image. Jeanette and I have a brand new show that's coming up uh, called Improv Therapy. We'll actually be performing in Scotland for an eight-day run in addition to some improv workshops. But we kind of, you know, as we were playing around with like the idea of what do we want to do for this, for this show and how do we collaborate, it really, I think, stems from the truly transformational and healing and productive energy that comes, like especially when things are hard. Because it is, it's easy yeah. for people to say yes when they agree or they like things. But when people really understand how to use yes as that acceptance, that acknowledgement, that like willingness to see what's possible and building with the end of like, okay, 
what's next? How do we keep things moving? And so it's super exciting. And of course, uh, the two, the two person show is available for all types of events. Uh, as you're planning your holiday things, slip a note to the boss that you want some humor and healing in your workplace. Um, but it's pretty magical to have stayed connected all these years and just kind of always know there, known there was like, you know, mutual appreciation for each other and, um, and the desire that we both have to bring this goodness into as many other people's lives as possible. Like the gift of yes. And is the gift that really as cliche as it is, it, it does keep on giving in ways that really make life a lot easier to navigate. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, reality is perception. And so reframing how we look at things through laughing and accepting and moving forward together as opposed to, okay, you do things your way, but I don't agree with that. So I'm going to move forward this way. What if you have to move forward together? Cause don't we really have to move forward together to make yeah. progress? So I'm totally. so excited about our show in yeah. Edinburgh and it is a great, um, it, it is a great structure and it's a great form and it's very, it's very audience interactive in a non-intimidating way. So yeah, people get scared when they hear it. <laughs> yeah. is interactive. I want to be on stage. Yeah. We would never make you do anything you don't want to do. Exactly. And yeah, we want to lift the burdens of the world with humor. <laughs> Well, I so appreciate you taking the time to jump on. Um, for those of you in I Hardly Know Her podcast land, uh, we will have Jeanette on on a regular basis, keeping the flow of improv. She also is a rock star at helping with the production side of a lot of different events and things that um, are just going on in the space as we're expanding and taking improv team culture into um, other avenues and tying that in with you know better communication, better public speaking skills, like unparalleled leadership qualities. Um, there's just so much goodness here. And I'm very excited to have someone to help with all the heavy lifting of getting this to the masses. So yes. thank you for being here. Thank you for being you. And listeners, thank you so much for being part of the I Hardly Know Her experience and for popping in. I know this is a place that um, it's a fun way for us to continue to learn and grow and expand like what do we know? We, we don't know everything. We can learn a little something from everyone else. And using yes and is a great way to continue to expand everything in our lives around us. So cheers to that. Cheers to you, Jeanette. Cheers to you, Megan. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing this pod with me. Thanks for tuning in to the I Hardly Know Her podcast. For information about leadership workshops, public speaker training, and all things kooky Megan, check out improvteamculture.com. We'll catch you next time.